All right, Forge family. Ten years after the installation of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to the Babylonian court under Nebuchadnezzar, a rebellion broke out somewhere in that empire, and uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, crushed it. But immediately, he erected a 90-foot-tall by 6-foot-wide gold idol out on the plains outside of Babylon. He summoned all his economic and military infrastructure leaders to come and bow before this idol as part of a loyalty check. Now, we believe thousands came, and they were instructed that when the music is going to break out, you will fall on your face and touch your head to the ground and bow before this, this golden idol. And so when the, when the music burst out, everybody was on the ground except for three men. And uh, when it was discovered that they had not bowed, they were dragged up in front of a, a, a rate, Nebuchadnezzar, and he wanted to know the truth. Had they not bowed to his idol? And, and then he recognized who they were. They were the administrators from the, from the princi- principality, if you will, from the, the province of Babylon. They'd worked with him for 10 years, and so there's a, there's a softening in his tone, and he gives them a second chance. So he's going to have the, the music play again, and they will bow. And he says, that would be a good idea if you guys did that. And if you don't, I'm going to have you thrown into the furnace. Well, uh, the three Jewish young men just sort of blocked that conversation and said, we worship God Most High, and we are not going to bow before your idol. At that point, Nebuchadnezzar said, bind them and throw them in the furnace. And so they were bound, and, and they were picked up and run and tossed through that upper, that upper door on that blazing hot furnace. Suddenly, you know, and, 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 and uh, Nebuchadnezzar is watching this uh, execution. And then he, he looks in through the lower door on the furnace, and he can see four men walking around in the flames. He just rocks him. So he summons Hananiah, Mishael, and uh, Azariah out of the furnace to come to him, and he examines them. Their hair isn't singed. Their clothing isn't burned. They don't even smell like the smoke of the furnace. And there's thousands gathered there to also... Give witness to that miracle. Now, Nebuchadnezzar commanded that none should speak negatively of this God, the God Most High. He was impressed, but he was not yet a believer. Let's pray. So, God Most High, God of heaven, you keep manifesting your omnipotence to this day. You raise up leaders and bring them low. And you raise up nations as you choose. We bow before you, Lord, and none other. Thank you that we can expect rescue in the earth and eternal rescue in the heavens. Make us worthy, Lord, of both of those. In Jesus' name. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 4. This is an account of the second um, disturbing uh, troubling dream that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has. 
Um, and this is about 11 years before he dies. So uh, it's, hard, it's hard to tell uh, from different um, Old Testament texts and the Septuagint whether the first three verses of chapter 4 belong as part of chapter 3 or actually in the introduction to chapter 4. doesn't matter. Here we go. Um, this is a testimony spoken out by Nebuchadnezzar of how God Most High had dealt with him personally. Daniel had captured these words and had, had shaped them as they came out of the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar and wrote them down. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, the king of all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. And it has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how now mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is for generation to generation. So that three verses are the preamble to what happens in the next eight years. Or it's the summary of the eight years, and they put it up in front. You, you decide as you read the text. Okay? <clears throat> verses 1 to 3, as I said, were captured by Daniel. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king addressed all the people. Um, now, there are those scholars who think that in this passage, this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has a God encounter. He has a salvation event. And uh, we should plan to see him in heaven. About 50% of the scholars on the other side say, no, we don't see that anywhere here. You know, there's, it's obviously spiritual. It's obviously he's attracted. He's, you know, he is humbled, but they don't believe that he had, had a, a, a salvation encounter. So we have the opportunity when we arrive in heaven to figure that out. The point of this chapter is that God most high is sovereign over Nebuchadnezzar and over each of us. Verses 4 to 7 says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, and it made me fearful. And these fantasies, as I lay on my bed, and the, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring my, into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners come in, and I related to the uh, all the dream. He, this time he tells them the dream. I relate the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Once again, this conjuring crowd, if you will, did not have any insight into the in interpretation of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had laid down for them. Uh, now it's possible that they recognize if we, you know, if they understood it and we played that back to the king, that's that's going to be a bad thing. You know, my grandson, one of my grandsons had a phrase that he used a lot. He said, "Ooh, that'd be bad." <laughs> now it's possible they may have known it and shut their mouth, or they may have had not a clue. In verse eight, Daniel is arriving after the conjuring crowd has failed. Because there are three palaces spread across the city of Babylon, Daniel may have had to travel some distance, or Daniel may have been waiting 
to give the, this crowd of magician, magicians and others an opportunity to fail. But finally, Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I re- related the dream to him and saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery baffles you, let me, tell me the vision of my dreams, which I have seen among, along with its interpretation. So please note in this, in this little snippet here in verse 8, starting verse 8, that uh, at this time in his life, Nebuchadnezzar uh, named Bel as his god. Now, whether there's a shift, we'll find out. Okay, And he also recognizes the potency of El Elyon, this plurality of holy gods that dwell in and around Daniel. See, we would identify El Elyon as, as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 10, the king lays out to Daniel what he saw and felt as he laid on his bed. So here's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar saw a tiny plant grow to a huge tree that grew from the midst of the earth, reaching into the sky. It could be seen from anywhere on earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit was abundant. Animals and birds, they they dwelt in the shade of it and in the branches and That tree fed all of them. Suddenly, the king saw a watcher angel, one who was holy, descend from heaven. With a shout, the angel commanded that the tree's limbs be cut off and that the tree be cut down to a stump. The foliage was to be stripped away and the fruit to be scattered. The beasts were to flee and the birds to fly away. The angel further said that the stump of that vast tree was to remain rooted, but strapped around with bands of bronze and iron to preserve it. At that point, there's a shift. Suddenly the focus moves from a tree to a he. So, the he, uh, the angel says, he is to be drenched by dew and rain. He is to uh, share with the beasts the grass of the earth. He will experience in his mind being cha- changed from that being that of a man to that of a beast. And he is to experience this bestial state for seven periods of time. Another way to translate it is seven years. The angel proclaimed that this sentence on the unnamed person was by decree of the angelic watchers and was a command from the holy ones so that mankind might know that the angelic, excuse me, that that God Most High is ruler over the whole realm of mankind so that they all might know that God is the one who bestows bestows life on whom he wishes, and he often sets that life on the lowliest of all men. And verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar asks for Daniel's interpretation. Noting that all other magicians had failed, and Daniel was unique because he has this spirit of the holy gods. 
Daniel stood appalled. He was frozen. He could see what the interpretation was, and it it just locked him up. Finally, the king tells him, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be shocked by the dream. And Daniel's response was, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. So Daniel was rattled. He, he may have stood there for an hour. Is another way to read that text. The tree that the king had seen grow tall. This is coming out of Daniel's mouth. Now here's the interpretation. The tree has grown tall to the heavens to be seen by all with beautiful foliage and plentiful fruit under whose branches the beasts and birds were sheltered and fed. That tree was the king Nebuchadnezzar. He and his empire had grown vast. Now, you know, I, I tried to come up with a map for you, and I couldn't find one that I could transmit, so I'll, I'll describe it. His kingdom ran from the southern coast of Tur- modern Turkey, due east, across Syria, and across Iraq, and finally, through all the remaining lands that had once been uh, covered by the Assyrians, had been governed by the Assyrians, then he swings southeast, down um, around um, mountain ranges and arrives at the Persian Gulf. From the Persian Gulf, that empire swept almost due west across the top of the Arabian Desert to the Red Sea. And then north, it encompassed encompassed, um, the Sinai Peninsula and all of Egypt from the Mediterranean down south down both sides of the civilization that, that thrived alongside of the Nile River. So then from the, the, um, the Nile Delta, his uh, empire, the Babylonian Empire, uh, swept up the western end of the Mediterranean. All the western end of the Mediterranean was controlled by uh, the Babylonian um, Empire. It would have been Judah and Tyre and Sidon, what we would say today would be modern Lebanon, and on into Syria up to that point on the south coast of Turkey. As far as Nebuchadnezzar knew or understood, he was reigning over all the known world. And like the vast tree that grew to the heavens millennia before, thousands of years before, the Tower of Babel had been raised raised up to heaven so that mankind could make a name for themselves and not be scattered. It was raised in the same region of Babylon, based on the same sin, with similar results. Daniel continues with the vision of the watcher angel. Now, this is one of the holy angels, okay? But he's been, he's been assigned to earth. Okay, and then this angel descends from heaven shouting for the tree, the king, to be cut down. All the beauty and fruit gone. All the birds and beasts fled away. All that was left of, of the kingdom was a stump strapped with iron and bronze bands to protect it so that it would, it would survive. Now, as I said, comes the shift. It, it goes from tree to he, 
and, and, and he is the king. Nebuchadnezzar will lose his mind as a man and become as a beast, drenched by the dew and the rains, eating what bulls and oxen eat, which is grass. <clears throat> and that goes for seven years. This interpretation is finalized when Daniel states that it is a decree of the Most High who oversees all the realm of mankind. The stump will be left to assure Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom will survive if he acknowledges that it is heaven that rules. Now Daniel then pleads with Nebuchadnezzar to take his counsel, to break away from his sins by doing righteousness and from his iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. In case, just in case, God might extend Nebuchadnezzar's prosperity. To renounce and repent was Daniel's counsel in the hopes that the king would turn to God. And God gave the king time to consider. A year passes. And it says in in verse 29 that the king was walking on the roof of the royal residence. It's one of his three palaces. And it's speculated that this palace that he was on, if you will, had been built for the queen. He had married a woman from, from he, who was a Mede, a different, different nationality, and she was raised in higher elevation, cool forests to the east. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, to, to help her acclimate to the blazing desert scene around Babylon, he built a 400-foot-tall ziggurat-shaped, you know, pyramid-staged, pyramid-shaped palace on which he hung all kinds of greenery. And it was watered by from the, uh, from the, um, from the river immediately next to it. And that hanging greenery would have cooled the breezes passing through the palace. And we find the king standing on that roof when Nebuchadnezzar spoke out loud. Quote, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. Whoa. Just, there it is. The tree just came down. Okay? And you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time to pass over you, until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Now, immediately, in verse 32, chapter 4, that says that the word from heaven was fulfilled. Instantly. The king was driven away from mankind and began to eat grass. His body drenched by dew and rain until his hair had grown like eagle feathers and his nails like the claws of a bird of prey. His condition is known today as boanthropy. And that mental condition still exists today. They did some searching on the internet. This is an artist's rendering of what Nebuchadnezzar looked like 
Again, just an artist's rendering. If you have a chance to look closely at the eyes, you do get a sense that that man was mad. I made a copy of that for each of you, but I'm not going to mail it to you. So for seven years, the king lived in that condition and until he returned to his senses. He lifted his eyes to heaven to acknowledge that the Most High was to be honored and worshipped and his dominion and kingdom would endure forever. Nebuchadnezzar's words were, quote, all and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? In other words, another way to say that is, there is none who can question the mind and decisions of the Most High God. At that time, Nebuchadnezzar had his mind restored to him, along with his majesty and splendor, and his counselors and nobles were seeking him out, and his sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to him. And then you get to, channel, uh, to uh, verse 37, and this next verse doesn't fit well with what passes immediately before it. So I'm going to ask you to ponder this. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exult, and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways are just, and he's able to humble those who walk in pride. Now, Ford's family, is it conceivable that one who has sovereignty and surpassing greatness would also be one who honestly praises, exalts, and honors the God of heaven? Verse 26 said that when the king acknowledged heaven as sovereign, his kingdom would be restored. Uh, that's different than saying when he acknowledged heaven, he would become a believer. Okay? We just have to sort that out. Yes, the king had been mightily humbled. No one took his throne from him for seven years. One of his sons stepped in and reigned in his place. And when he returned, he returned to the throne. That banded stump had spoken of protected empire. Nebuchadnezzar lived another two to three years after being restored. Now, there are scholars who cling to that reference of those iron and bronze bands that surround that stump of the Babylonian Empire. If you recall, Nebuchadnezzar described it as Babylon the Great. Okay? Iron and bronze have both been linked to other empires to come, but that phrase, Babylon the Great, will rise as a wicked entity in the book of Revelations, and it's finally done away with. Now today, much of what has been Babylonian Empire lands and Greek Empire lands and Roman Empire lands, they today they are largely Muslim. Thus, the element of the king's dream of a stump that has bronze and iron bands that point to a new Babylon may, may indeed rise in the Muslim world and unite the regions of the ancient Roman and Grecian empires under one man, the Antichrist. 
They, there are 22 dreams listed in the Old Testament. This one points to a time after the second coming of Christ. So family, pride is a huge barrier to repentance. Let Holy Spirit embrace you so that you can hear the Lord, the Spirit's heart for you. You may hear much the same as the counsel given by Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he said, you know, you, you turn away, you break away from your sin, and you care for, you're merciful to the poor. Daniel may have had an intercessory role at this time for the seven-year period over Nebuchadnezzar. Why don't you ask the Lord for such a prayer warrior on your behalf as you learn to raise your eyes to heaven. Let's pray. God Most High, as individuals and as representatives of our nation, we, we struggle with pride. We of Forge want to see you as Lord over us and Lord over America. We know precisely the barriers of pride that resist that dream. I'm sorry, you know, you know that. We don't. You, you have insight that goes far beyond us. You're the one who has insight into that, those barriers. We humbly would lift our eyes and learn to deal with our sins. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for standing beside us as we learn to obey more of you, Lord the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.